0: is the Preparedness Radio Network, preparing you for natural and man-made disasters, helpful tips on gardening and homesteading. Be prepared, and remember, preparedness saves lives. This is the Preparedness Radio Network.
1: You are listening to a podcast of The Wise Prepper Show with your hosts, Joshua Patterson and Michael Knight. You can listen to our podcast on the Preparedness Radio Network at www.bpreparedradio.com, where preparedness saves lives. You can join in on our next show via Google Hangouts, or to learn more, visit our website at www.thewiseprepper.com. Once more, for the latest in Prepper news and information. To listen to our past shows or to be part of the next one, visit www.thewiseprepper.com. And now it's time for The Wise Prepper Show.
2: Well, good evening, folks. This is The Wise Prepper Show, and we'd like to welcome you aboard. Tonight we're going to be talking about food, drought, and nuclear war. Uh, We want you, as I mentioned earlier, to call in and... uh, Give us some idea of what your concerns are in terms of um, what your concerns are in terms of the things to be prepared for. Is it uh, the possibility of civil unrest, uh, civil war around here? You know, there's a, a number of things that we've got to consider in terms of being prepared for. And I'm Joshua Patterson tonight here with you on the Wise Prepper show. Give us a call
1: at five zero three four one seven ninety five ninety five. And if you're outside the Portland metro area, you can give us a call toll-free at 877-733-1011. And just like Michael was talking about, tonight we're going to be talking about food and how it relates to you and your preparedness plan. And uh, we want to take your questions because I know that food is something that, you know, everybody thinks that they've got it covered, a couple MREs. Or, you know, well, I buy a little extra at the store. I've got a little on my shelves, maybe not realizing that uh, the stores really only have enough for three days, and after three
2: days, the stores may be out. They will be out after three days. And in, in considering being prepared for whatever, it's a question of asking yourself, what if? What if, for example, the headlines are full of it? What if Korea goes ahead with what it wants to do?
1: Well, and that was something that I talked about this week on our blog post, where the what if and. Mike, you know that I'm not really big on the the whole conspiracy theory level of preparedness, but I did find myself this week listening to the news and sitting here thinking to myself, what if, what if one of those conventional rockets could make it to Portland? What would be the economical impact of Americans actually getting attacked on their own soil? And so part of being prepared is thinking about the what ifs, though I thought it was a little bit far-fetched. You know, I was quickly reminded about A Day Called X and the Kelly Butte Civil Defense Center, um, which if you're not familiar with, on Kelly Butte, which is a large hillside here in Portland, we had in 1957 and beyond a relatively advanced, in fact, it was state of the art for the time, uh, Civil Defense Center, which was designed to survive a nuclear strike. And uh, it's closed now and all sealed up, which is unfortunate because I wish it was a museum, which I think would be really cool personally. Uh, and I and I, read, I wrote a little bit about it and shared a day called X with our Facebook group. And you can go to our website at GetReadyPortland.com and head over to the newsletter and read our most recent post about that. But I'd like to get back to food and how that's really important to your preparedness plan. And one of the questions that we get quite a lot is actually, well, you know, food, it's, it's a lot of money to invest in food for a long time. I mean, I've got a couple of days worth. Well, yes, it is a lot of money for for a long time, but food is is insurance. It is an investment that does not depreciate as long as you take care of it and it's stored properly. And there's a lot of reasons in the world today that we should think about investing in our food now rather than later. And there's a lot of ways to do that, not just coming to the preparedness center and buying your long-term food storage, which we I of course recommend. But, you know, there's a great resilience movement here in Portland with growing your own food, preserving your food. Um, There's some wonderful food buying clubs. My wife has one called Mudville Commons, which is, you know, a great group of people who are sourcing their own food, preserving it, meeting their individual diets. Um, And we have a lot of long-term food related to what is on
2: for your individual diet as well, too. And if a person's just getting started in the food preservation business, you know, you start with the basics of uh, home canning. Um, we have an ebook called Easy Home Canning, which covers everything from what you need to buy and a ha- and hundred recipes in it. I love anyway. that book. Who wrote that book? Well, modesty says my wife wrote that book. I think it's a great book. And, and you can can
1: anything. If anything that this book taught me about it was that you can really can anything. And just in case you didn't really believe it, one day Michael brought in some cake that the author had canned and I looked in that jar and I thought to myself, huh, cake in a jar. How about that? And then he tells me it's 10 years old. Well, I look in the jar and it looks like yesterday. So you can preserve yourself. You can, can. And it actually does taste like it was made yesterday. I bet it does. It truly You're going to have to open one of those up for me one of these days. Don't give it a try. <laughs> we can do that. Give us a call 503 417 9595. We would love to address your questions about preparedness and food storage. We'd also like to hear what you're concerned about, you know, with regard to being prepared and why are we getting prepared
2: today. And the toll-free number is 877-733-1011. Give us a call. Let's talk. Let's carry on now with uh, a discussion about what we're we going to talk about next. Well, I think we should keep on food. We've got some great, great questions food, this week. Food, Let's talk about food and where it's not coming from. It's not coming from, in the quantities that it used to, from the drought-stricken areas of this country. You mean there's a drought? There's been a drought in this country for the last two years.
1: But it, was really, it was raining out just last week.
2: I know. Up here in the Pacific Northwest, we are so out of touch with what the real climate is in the rest of America. You know, from, from California south, from California mm, east, up into the northeast, That's just a terrible country, most places. All cynicism
1: aside, the reality is that a great part of our nation is still in a severe drought. In fact, just last week I was watching a news report about how the Great Lakes are at their lowest recorded levels in all time. Okay, so that's pretty serious. And though there's been a lot of snowfall out there, it has not been enough to actually... Bring those Great Lakes up, that's going to take a number of years. And a tremendous amount of our wheat production comes from the Midwest. And, you know, we're gluten free for the most part in our house. And let me tell you, wheat and soybeans, which are grown in the Midwest, they're in everything. Just like corn, it's in everything that's commercially packaged. So what you're going to see is you're going to see if we have another year like we did last year. And unfortunately, here in Portland, we've already had, you know, an extremely dry March. We had, I I think, uh, three days of rainfall. I'll I'll look it up again. But, you know, things are drying out. We're experiencing climate change, and that's going to change the price of food for you. So there's no better time to invest in producing your
2: own or purchasing your own and storing it than now. I know in Texas alone last year, they lost billions of dollars or billions of dollars hit for the, uh, the farmers, especially the cattle ranchers. Um, situation being that some of them had to quit their breeding stock. And that's really, really bad news for a farmer because it's going to take three or four years for him to build his herd back up. Uh, But uh, what it means is for us, down the road, starting now, meat prices, and you probably noticed this, are just going to continue going up and up and up. It's just a fact of life. The the price of um, pork and bacon, you can guarantee that's going to continue to rise because of the devastation of corn crops last year, the lack of sufficient feed, the high price of feed for the, the hog farms. They were giving hogs and cows
1: candy. That's true. In, in uh, Pennsylvania, some of, the, some of the leftovers from Hershey's, I remember that from last year, candy. Mind because it was cheaper to get candy... For your animals than it was for corn now first off cows shouldn't eat
2: corn in the first place in my personal opinion and candy well here's the thing back in New Zealand I used to make uh, documentaries about the rural environment and I did a documentary on a hog farm at one point and this guy had a contract with one of the major um, cookie makers and he would mix <laughs> cookies with chocolate
1: <laughs> with some sweet in, milk. and I
2: tell you what the ham was the best in the world Oh, that, that's
1: unfortunate. I'm just looking at the U.S. seasonal drought outlook for 2013, March 21st through June 30th. And one word really sticks out is persistence. And that is going to be fr- across Colorado, parts of Oklahoma, Texas, south, all the way to California. And this, this is the current numbers. So we're not, you know, there there is drought likely to improve or impact ease in areas of the Midwest on this map but there is still severe drought throughout the nation. We need to remember that you know, preparing now is one of the most important things that we can do to preserve our food supply.
2: Now, I see we do have a couple of calls coming in. Really appreciate that. We'll come, we'll come back and get to you right after our break. I'll
3: Real Food Living was started in the 1990s as a free resource for families to share information on food for health herbal and natural treatments, homesteading, home education, independent product reviews, and much, much more. Since then, we've grown to reach families all over the world. www.realfoodliving.com and www.blog.realfoodliving.com are there for you to come and sit a while anytime you want. Listen to the radio shows for Get Real, Get Prepared, read our product reviews, frequently asked questions, how to get started, great articles and great recipes. You can watch our videos and join in the giveaways. Also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, examiner.com, and in Prepare Magazine, as well as on the PRN radio network. Check out our books, Wrapping It Up, available at amazon.com, and Naturally Healthy Cuisine, Real Food for Real Families, available at www.naturallyhealthy.org. You can drop us a line anytime at realfoodliving.com, your source for great information and reviews you can really use.
2: The Portland Preparedness Center on the corner of 72nd and Gleason has all your preparedness needs. The four basics of food, water, shelter, and medical supplies. We have them all, freeze-dried foods, water barrels, 72-hour kits starting at only $39.95, Mylar bags, food pantries with 42 meals, enough for two weeks for one person, German knives and machetes, compasses, sea crane radios, lanterns, canned meats, cheese, bacon and butter, and the ultimate underground shelter. We're open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Our phone number is 503-252-2525, that's 503-252-2525. Our website is GetReadyPortland.com. You're
1: not buying food storage containers, heirloom seeds, or water purifiers just for the fun of it. You're getting these things ready for your peace of mind. Visit the Always Ready Store in Burnsville, North Carolina, where peace of mind is the end goal of preparedness. Find everything you need to get ready, from food dehydrators to whole grain wheat. doesn't matter if you're a veteran or a novice to preparedness. The Always Ready Store is there to help. Visit the store at West Main Street in Burnsville, North Carolina, located right next to Wishbone's Restaurant, or visit www.alwaysreadystore.com to shop securely online for anything you might need to keep you and your family prepared. Always Ready
0: Store. Are you ready? Yeah. See me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going and what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first
2: is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal.
0: Sir, my brother-in-law can get a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll call the Freeze Dry Guy, like I did. That food is better for you, it rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? Well, I hope not. Now get your supplies organized and meet me down to the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail the sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the Freeze Dry Guy. Call 866 404 3663 or visit freezedryguy.com.
1: Welcome back, and thanks for joining us on the Wise Prepper Show. We're going to go right into a few calls here. And uh, first call I want to hit, is this Glenn? Yes. Glenn, welcome back. I'm glad you called back this week. What's your question?
0: Yeah, I called back about water purification. I've read in the e-books and also on other things online that you can take a clear plastic bottle or a clear water or a clear glass bottle, uh, filter out the uh, water for uh, larger particles like a t-shirt or something. And then you can put the jar, the bottle in the window for several hours and it will purify the water. I was just wondering, is that true? And if so, you know, is there some research to back that up or is this just a wives' tale?
1: I love the internet and I love the sun. And what you're talking about, is partially true. It's really going to be more effective with the least possible turbid water. So remember from last week's show, turbidity is the extra cloudiness in the water that can be caused by mud or sediment. So, yes, you want to filter all of that out. And I would not recommend using the window. What I would recommend doing is one, it needs to be a clear, sunny day because, again, we are talking about uh, solar radiation. And two, I would put it right out on the lawn or on the pavement, somewhere that it's going to get full. Th- full sun exposure, and it will work. I do not know off offhand the scientific level that it's going to purify to, but I can guarantee you that water is going to get very hot. And on top of that, with the solar radiation, it's going to do a pretty good job of, of killing things. Remember, UV light is what's used in uh, industrial applications to keep your bakeries clean and th- thing like that. So in a worst-case scenario, heck, I'd do it. For sure.
0: Okay, so sun tea without the tea.
2: You got it. As clear as possible is going to be very critical to that. And put it through coffee filters, for example, before you put it into the bottle. That yeah, w- that exactly. would be a help. Get the finest, you know, finest micron cloth or coffee filter that you can use. Personally, I would prefer to use glass, simply because mm-hmm. plastic is likely, perhaps, to leach bad, oops, <laughs> bad stuff into the um, right. into the water. Yeah.
0: Okay. I just want to know before I go past that information on anybody else. All yeah, right.
2: I, I appreciate your call, Glenn.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very very much. Joe, appreciate it. Keep it up.
2: Okay, let's take another call here from Paul.
0: Yeah, I was just wondering what, uh, what percentage of our food should be like something light and ready to go and how much of it should
1: be heavy that's in our pantry. I think that's a really good question. It really boils down to how long you're preparing for. Yeah. Um, well, but
0: can I fit in my pack?
1: <laughs> yeah, and, what, and, well, and what's comfortable to carry, too. You know, I talk a lot with folks on the coast who, you know, they're, they're planning to walk out of their situation. So, you know, folks in the tsunami zone, unfortunately for them, long-term food may be a difficult objective to meet because unless you live in Cannon Beach where you've got your own storage container that's somewhere up on a hill... It's going to be hard to, to, to store long-term food without worrying about it going bad. So for them, lightweight, easy to travel is going to be the most critical. In that case, I would probably recommend you know, not carrying more than you can carry yourself, plus a wagon. Um, bike trailers are great for that type of situation. So it's going to be a personal situation that, that, that's going to answer that question for think, you. Think, Myself. If, if you're I've on been the mo-
0: seeing more bike trailers out here.
1: Bike trailers are People. really handy in emergencies.
0: I mean, I have people going to work on
1: them, I think. <laughs> Myself, I carry, because I've got a family of five, I carry enough food on my person in my vehicle for a good three and a half, four days, and then uh, it's a little bit bulkier in the vehicle. If I have to, I'll break it down and throw out the stuff that's not high, high in nutrients. Michael?
2: Yes, it's important if you're going to be on the move. Like, for example, I have what I call a get-home bag in, my, in the back of my car because I live uh, well out of town. And um, where other people call them a bug-out bag, I myself just think if there's a big earthquake in Portland while I'm here and I've got to walk out, I've got to keep it as light as possible. Now, our um, 72-hour backpacks, they do come fully, fully equipped with what you'd need for a period of three days in the way of food. Everything else would last a hell of a lot longer. Um, but keep it as lightweight as you can. This is where the freeze-dried food is very important. Yeah. At home, I think you really want to have a combination of stuff. It's really nice to have, for example, a, a good can of meat that you can store long-term, like beef or pork sauce and something like that, to add to your rice and beans. And I also
1: think that it's pretty important to, you know, have a good variety as well. I, I agree with Mike on that stance. Um, also, think about what you're doing. We've got long-term food that will last for up to 30 years, but I also have, you know, in my supply a good three months of normal food that we use on a regular basis that's not freeze-dried that we rotate through, the best way to get into that is to just buy an extra. Every time you go to the store, just pick up an extra one and then store that in the pantry. And, you know, when I buy things at the store, I write a date with a Sharpie or a permanent marker on the can for when I buy it. And that lets me know that... uh, you know, the day that I bought it, and then I can plan with my rotation efficiently.
0: So that could help with the minor emergencies where, like, the trucks break down for three or four days.
1: Well, you know, yeah, trucks break down, cyber attack. You know, Michael and I were talking this week about something on the, on those lines that, uh, you know, our our whole food system, and there are some large big box stores that I won't mention by name, but their inventory system is actually all based on, we sold it today, it gets ordered, and it gets shipped in three days. It'll be in the store in three days. And that's how they keep things. It's called
2: the just-in-time <laughs> delivery system. Now, and we were talking about you know, cyber warfare. There's just recently, just this past week, the FBI was telling us that there's been a, sort of a hacker attack that literally closed down the worldwide or slowed down the worldwide Internet and they were saying this was just a modest attack, but I personally noticed it on my computer, other people may have noticed it as well, and we're not talking about me being slow on the computer. The computer was slow on me.
1: Oh, I was going to point that out.
2: (laughs) But what it means is that if the internet goes down, everything that depends on internet communication is history. Yeah, so those just-in-time delivery systems, or as you were
1: saying, if the trucks get, get stuck because of an earthquake and they can't get through the roads or things like that, yeah, you'll want to have some of, your, some of your regular stuff on hand. I really appreciate your call. Thanks. So I want to have you give us a call, 503-417-9595. How can we help you with your long-term food storage plan? And uh, why are you getting prepared? Those are questions we'd love to hear. And uh, I think we're going to go with Rick now. Rick, welcome to the show.
0: We're just yeah, thanks, cu- guys. A couple of quick I minutes. A, I got a question and a comment. Um, first, the question: I, I got some potassium iodate I uh, bought about 13 years ago. Is it still usable, or I would replace it? Would you? Mm-hmm. Does it just lose pulse, potency, or does it turn into poison?
1: Well, like with like any medication, and potassium iodate is, in the instance that you're talking about using it, which is as a result of nuclear war or a nuclear emergency dirty bomb or a, a power plant that may fail, it's it's a medication in that case. And it's only going to stop the cesium, for, for one thing, from getting into your thyroid. So that's important. Iodine, right. Iodine excuse me. Thank you. And right. uh, so like any medication, it does lose its potency over time. And just like the doctor says, with your medications in your first aid kit, make sure you check on those and replace them on a regular basis. And I would say yeah. with potassium iodate, that as well.
2: There's also an option of uh, using a product called Survivodyne, which uh, is a health product. You've got a few drops in water that re- restores your thyroid to optimum health. But then in mm-hmm. the event of a nuclear emergency, and you've got this uh, nuclear iodine in the air, you can just up mm-hmm. the dosage of that. It's a product we stock. I thought I'd just make a pitch about it. What's it called? Survivodine. If you head over to my website at
1: GetReadyPortland.com, and look under radiation protection, you'll find it right
2: there. We okay. also stock uh, Geiger counters, which I think are something we ought to be seriously considering as part of our preparedness, because this Fukushima thing in Japan is not sure. going away. It's right. really not. And if we have earthquakes on this coastline, our nuclear plants are in trouble as well.
1: Radiation doesn't sure. go away. <laughs> <Sane>. <laughs> hey, thanks for your call today,
2: Rick.
0: Wait, I got, I got, I got a comment.
1: Go right ahead. You make it real quick here. We're going to come up on the uh, commercial.
0: Okay, real quick. Uh, you know, you, you have people ask, "Well, why should I prepare?" And they're always thinking about, "Well, the big one," you know. But it could be as simple as losing your job. And a few years ago, when I was in Montana. That's true,
2: absolutely job. true. Appreciate. Yeah, your we call. Lost. Um, Okay, go ahead. We do, we do have to go for the break, uh, okay. but appreciate your call and call back anytime. But we okay. do have, we do have time constraints. Okay. Thanks, Rick. Bye. So stay tuned. We'll have wise prep and news right after this.
3: Water it's essential for life. Water safe enough to drink has to be a top priority for every day, no matter what the conditions. That's why AquaPail is the best choice when it comes to making water safe enough to drink, whether it's storm water, creek water, or storage water. The AquaPail is the only affordable, portable water treatment system that comes in a range of sizes to meet small or large water requirements. Made entirely in the USA, The AquaPail kills waterborne bacteria, viruses, and creates a gallon of safe-to-drink water in minutes, not hours. To get your free information packet on the extraordinary AquaPail and choose the right size for your needs, go to www.aquapail.com, that's www.aquapail.com. Why wait for clean water? The AquaPail is the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable water treatment system
4: available. Want to reduce your dependence on the electrical grid? Trying to save money on groceries? Preparing for a major power outage? We can help. Layman's is your source for everything you need for heat, food, Light and water when there is no power. Glenda Layman Irvin here for Laymans in Kidron, Ohio. My father, Jay Lehman, founded our store in 1955 to serve the local Amish with non-electric appliances, tools, and houseware items. Today, through our website laymans.com, a print catalog, and a retail store, we provide oil lamps, water pumps, wood stoves, canning supplies, and hand tools to customers all over the world. If you think it isn't made anymore, check with Layman's before you give up. Visit laymans.com or call us at 1-8 Seven seven four three eight five three four six for a free catalog, or just stop by. We're located about an hour south of Cleveland. Everyone knows that the fresher the
3: food, the better, better for health, nutrition, and of course taste. This is especially true with grains and flours that can become rancid so quickly. That's why it's important to have a quality grain mill for use today and in your preparations. The Wonder Mill Company is the only American company to produce an electric mill as well as a manual mill, and they're made with the highest quality materials and workmanship. They create the finest flours, whether from whole grains, gluten-free grains, beans, and even more. The Wonder Mill Electric Mills and the Wonder Junior Deluxe Manual Grain Mills are the highest-rated grain mills for good reason. They work, and they're built to last. Visit the Wonder Mill website to check out their videos, reviews, recipes, and to find a dealer near you today. That's thewondermill.com.
2: Without the Second Amendment, we lose our freedoms. And Dan Blackstone, owner of the Blackstone Gun Safety, understands and wants to preserve this right. Dan started Blackstone Gun Safety to help people learn about handguns, increase their proficiency, and or obtain their concealed carry permit. I've been through a class with Dan. If you join Blackstone Gun Safety at one of the upcoming concealed carry classes in Portland, you'll leave educated, certified, and satisfied. BlackstoneGunsafety.com is where you go to get started Blackstone Gun Safety is serious about helping you exercise your Second Amendment rights. So remember, blackstonegunsafety.com. This is the Wise Prepper Show with Michael Knight and Joshua Patterson. I'm Michael Knight with this week's news and commentary. It's mid-June 2013, and today, if we focus on what we should be prepared for, it's hard to choose between natural disasters that are happening all around us right now and man-made disasters such as war and the potential collapse of the economy, with all that that implies. So let's take a look at these one by one and look at their costs in human terms. Colorado wildfires have destroyed at least 500 homes, killed at least two people, and forced the evacuation of thousands before firefighters gained some semblance of control. One resident said she had less than 10 minutes to leave, so she grabbed her son and two dogs, a computer and some important papers, and she was on her way. Imagine that. Sure, she saved herself and her son. Her husband was at work, so he was okay. But from that moment on, they were either having to pay for a hotel or motel, or stay in a temporary shelter somewhere, relying on others to supply them with food and water and somewhere to sleep, until they could return to see whether or not their house was still standing. And that's just one example of how ill-prepared most people are. What she should have been able to do, as well as taking the computer and a strong box of papers, was to be able to pack at least a tub or two of freeze-dried meals and water, plus an emergency tub containing a tent, bedding, and cooking facilities. Moving on, we've had at least four magnitude 6 earthquakes in the past 30 days, plus a 7.4 south of the Fiji Islands and an 8.4 near Russia. As well, there have been literally hundreds in the 4 and 5 range around the Ring of Fire, including 10 in California and off the coast of Oregon. The world is very much on the move, folks. But who knows where the next big one will occur, and how many lives will it take Speaking of Fiji and the South Pacific, a study out of Australia says the 34,000 people living in Nuku'alofa, that's the capital of Tonga, would all die if a tsunami comes their way. There's simply no high ground for them to run to. The same can be said for many coastal cities around the world. Some people who look at the global earthquake picture say that the Earth is expanding hence an increase in sinkholes, bridge collapses, and burst pipelines. And maybe that's what caused an 80-foot section of gas pipeline in Louisiana to break and create a fireball that scorched everything within 700 feet this week. It was in a rural area, unfortunately, no one was injured or killed, but imagine if that happened in a city. Over in India, official reports say a hundred or more people have died in floods after the monsoons arrived two weeks early and turned the Ganges River into a raging killer. But we have a report from an independent journalist in India who says it's more likely that thousands have perished and tens of thousands of pilgrims to holy shrines will need to be rescued and cared for. Personally, I think it's very strange did international aid agencies spring into action when a natural disaster occurs, but when a 100,000 people die in a war like the one going on in Syria, all we can do is think about escalating the conflict? For what purpose? Why would we care about regime change in a foreign country which has never attacked us and was never likely to? The United States now says it's prepared to send small arms to the rebels, claiming as justification that Syrian President Abbas has crossed a red line by using chemical weapons on the rebels and on his own people, killing 150 in the process. Abbas, a United Nations observer, and even Russian diplomats are saying that's a lie. Why would Abbas kill his own people with chemical weapons when he's already gained the upper hand in this conflict? They say the U.S. is just using this theme as an excuse to escalate their involvement. Question, how does the claim that 150 people were killed by chemical weapons, even if it's true, stack up against the loss of 100,000 lives in the war so far, especially when we remember that America went to war in Iraq on the false claim that Saddam Hussein had chemical weapons? Frankly, this conflict in Syria looks like it's getting totally out of control, Aside from arming the rebels, most of whom are not Syrians at all, but Muslims from elsewhere, including Al-Qaeda, and at least one cannibal, shocking isn't it, but there's a video on YouTube that you probably don't want to watch, these rebels have also slaughtered hundreds of Christians in cold blood. Why is the West supporting them, and what sort of democracy would they bring to the country if they ever win this conflict? which, as I said when we started, is a man-made disaster. Anyway, President Putin of Russia now says if the West continues to arm the rebels, he'll send in his most sophisticated weapons to help the Syrian government, and that would include missiles that could be used in case a no-fly zone is declared. So what does that mean? It means that America, or its proxy warfighter NATO, could find themselves in yet another war that could well escalate to the point that Russia and China get involved. In the words of Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, Assistant Secretary of the Treasury under President Reagan, quote, considering the utterly insane government ruling in Washington, if human life exists in 2020, it'll be a miracle. Well, personally, I don't want to be a fearmonger, but I do wonder whether we're looking at the early stages of World War III. And I'm wondering, too, why it is that the leaders of these various nations around the world insist on war as being a a process of bringing peace. It's a man-made disaster for sure. Mind you, we may not need World War III to totally destroy what's left of the environment. Aside from the fact that a cooling fan has been discharging radioactive particles into the atmosphere for who knows how long... Serious radioactive isotopes have now been reported in the cooling water at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant in Japan, and that's the water they want to discharge into the ocean. Who needs a world war when so-called peaceful nuclear energy can destroy our life-giving atmosphere and kill the oceans and slowly kill people and cause birth defects for generations? How many nuclear plants are here in the United States, and in the rest of the world, which are also in danger because they are on coastlines where tsunamis and earthquakes can knock them out at any time? It's a sobering thought. Let's move on again. So how's the economy doing? Can you believe that the United States has $106 trillion in debt? and unfunded obligations over the next 30 years, so how can it continue to pay all its national obligations and fund all these wars as well? Yes, I know, lots of folks have been expecting a sudden collapse of the economy for the past four years at least, and it hasn't happened. The mainstream media, and its so-called experts and pundits, keep telling us everything's fine, but these days no more than 23% of viewers believe what they see on the news anyway. Well, gold dropped at least $60 an ounce this week. It's down to around $1,300 compared to over $1,600 just a couple of months ago. And the stock markets, including Japan, France, Germany, and the United Kingdom, all took a sudden tumble. But does this mean we're staring at an overnight collapse of the economy? Hardly. More likely, we're looking at a slow-motion train wreck. And if we're wise, we'll do some serious budgeting and put as much as we can afford into real assets like long-term food stores. But here's the kicker. Joshua and I have looked at some statistics about what people are doing in terms of buying and preparing. For our store in Portland, Oregon, there's been a dramatic drop-off in site visits and store sales. But we're not alone in that. National statistics show the same downward trend in preparedness interest. Maybe it's because it's summer. Maybe it's because we got through 2012 relatively unscathed and people have just gone back to sleep. Maybe people in general are just unaware of the uptick in natural disasters, fires, droughts, and earthquakes, not to mention solar storms. Or maybe rising gas and food prices are squeezing everybody's budget to the limit. No matter what the cause... Those who are not prepared are going to find themselves like that woman in Colorado who suddenly had 10 minutes to leave and only had a computer and some papers, a child and a couple of dogs to take with her into a very uncertain future. Let's hope you're not one of them. Now what's the government worried about or preparing for? The Department of Homeland Security has over $37 million dollars Of taxpayer money to spend on brass and lead for fiscal year 2013 and it's soliciting again for nearly 90,000 rounds in various calibers. This is in addition to their own claims of having more than 260 million rounds of ammunition back in November 2012. Now here's two executive orders you may not know about. The National Defense Resources Preparedness Order gives the executive branch the power to control and allocate energy, production, transportation, food, and even water resources by decree under the auspices of national defense and national security. And President Obama has also issued an executive order that outlines an extreme level of communications control in case of crisis or emergency, including the ability to take over any communication network, including the Internet.
1: Um, You know, the NDRP is actually a scary piece of legislation that I can get behind you and say, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, you're talking about giving the government and not giving because they've taken the right to commandeer your well, your farm, your food source if they so see that the situation demeans it to be necessary. And I think, you know, these times they are a changin' as a great let, let,
2: musician once said. Let's look at the brighter side of this. Maybe the government does have our interests at heart. Maybe in the event of a major catastrophe, a natural disaster, it would be useful to have the ability to just commandeer stuff from those who have to give to the have-nots. Well, I can see... Pure the, communism, but... Well, in speaking
1: of communism, though, what I was about to say is after the the, the one of the last big earthquakes in China, they actually commandeered all of the manufacturing capacities and say for example if your tent was being manufactured over in China all of a sudden the government comes in and says nope you are manufacturing for our people now and we need relief supplies and that is exactly what happened but being that we don't manufacture much here I'm concerned as to what they might need from us but I think that the root of the idea sounds beneficial it sounds good however the other
2: side of the aisle in me says hey man back off my lawn now, you've been doing a great job on Facebook, staying in touch with folks who like to stay in touch with the uh, the Portland Preparedness Center on Facebook, and uh, just a reminder, our website is GetReadyPortland.com. We have everything you can imagine in the way of what you need for uh, emergencies, but back to Facebook. We've got a number of questions came in this week, so Joshua? Well, I'm going to go over a couple of those questions, but I would like to invite our listeners to give us a call. At
1: 503-417-9595, I'd like to hear some commentary on Michael's news about why you're getting prepared, and I'd like to answer your questions about food storage. You can reach me at 503-417-9595. Ronnie, who asked about dehydrated foods, do's and don'ts, and, uh, you know, dehydrating your own food, we have a lot of food here in the Northwest that you can just go out. I mean, my wife and I go out every year. We pick blackberries. We, we pick apples, we've got the Portland Fruit Tree Project, which is a wonderful organization that facilitates people gathering fruit from local trees, then you've got to store it yourself. And dehydrating is a great way to do that. Personally, I would recommend, you know, picking up a really good book on dehydrating. It's a complex subject. I have one at the store. So, you know, come on down and I'll help you out with that. Um, recommended dehydrators i only recommend the excalibur dehydrator i've had one for a number of years now you can buy every single part for it and we don't stock those we don't but i do recommend the portland homesteading supply for that um and the reason that we don't stock them is we just don't have a de- in demand for them so if you want one come in and i'll find you one um and uh ideal storage and containers will after you Dehydrate your food, which is removing most of the moisture. It's freeze-drying where you completely remove the moisture. But most of the moisture from the food, you can store those in a number 10 can, which you can go to a a couple places around town, and they can can it for you or teach you how to do it. Or right at home, you can put that in a mason jar with an oxygen absorber. Or Michael and I were talking about this before the segment. Michael had some good ideas about storing your dehydrated food
2: as well. Well, most of what I know about food storage and so forth, I've got to thank my wife Judith for. But what I've seen her do is take dehydrated food. Uh, you know, We grow a good garden and we'll dehydrate stuff from that and put it in a mason jar. And she has a thing, I believe it's called a food saver, which comes with a re- for which you can get an accessory. Put the dehydrated product into the mason jar put the cap on, and then attach this uh, It's like a vacuum pump. And it will turn the interior of the jar into a vacuum. And I'd recommend that you also put an um, oxygen absorber in there before you do this. Now, we haven't used the oxygen absorbers, but we've got dehydrated product, which is kept very well for years. For those who aren't familiar with oxygen
1: absorbers, I'll give you a quick definition of those. What those are is actually a little tiny packet that you'll find inside your, your mountain house camping foods, and your Alpine air camping foods. And it's actually iron filings inside of a food-safe container that when, when exposed to the oxygen, they will start to rust, consuming the oxygen and leaving you with only a nitrogen atmosphere where your food is, and uh, it's going to make your food last a whole lot longer. Uh, Mar- Mar- Marcy asks on our Facebook page, food storage tips for small spaces. And says that she has everything crammed in every nook, corner, and cranny of her house. Well, I can understand that because I've rented some spaces, and when you don't have the ability
2: to make a lot of modifications, you can be strapped for space. I've actually used um, a variety of ways of storing food. Uh, at one time, I actually rented a um, what do you call those you, know, those? you know, food store, not a food storage place, like a U-haul place. Oh, it's a, a, a unit. A uh, unit. Yeah. yeah, a storage unit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: a storage unit!
2: Yeah, but... Because know,
1: I want to fight the zombies <laughs> off from, to get to my storage unit, yeah, but... But, but back to this question,
2: to. Um, certainly storing under the house is not such a bad idea, provided you've got reasonable crawl space. Um, yes, you've got to consider the trade-off between having it under the house and the possibility of an earthquake. But storing in the attic is not necessarily a heck of a good idea because the attic can get extremely hot. And most food is best stored around the 60 degrees Fahrenheit mark or less. Well, we also have people who call up or who come into the store and they're wondering
1: where to store. And I would like to take this opportunity to point out that we do not live in the Midwest. We do not need to store things in the basement. In fact, storing things in the basement in the event of an, emerg- of an earthquake may make it very difficult to get your food out of the basement. So I recommend exterior walls and garden sheds if you have that opportunity. With regard to space, you know, we, we sell a six-month unit that can fit in three by four feet uh, of space. We also sell be-ready pantries, which are freeze-dried food buckets. And, man, you could get 10 of those things, you know, and those are two weeks worth of food. I mean, you get 10 of those things into a small coat closet quite easily. So with regard to your own personal pantry, you know, obviously organizing your shelves... And uh, thinking smart, not keeping things that you don't actually need is going to be pretty critical. Give us a call, 503-417-9595. What are you concerned about? And uh, we're going to come up on the break here. And after we come back, we're going to have our community preparedness calendar and uh, a couple more Facebook questions. And I'd like to see your calls. Give me a call. 503-417-9595 503-417-9595 This is the Wise An Prepper Show.
2: toll free on 877-733-1011
3: National Geographic traveled all the way to Boone, North Carolina to select Turtle Island Preserve, a non outdoor discovery center and Appalachian Heritage Farm as one of the 100 most enriching destinations in North America. For over 26 years families have gained enrichment while discovering nature and, more importantly, themselves. In a world where digital screens and push buttons have replaced actual contact with nature, Turtle Island's beautiful campus and knowledgeable staff reconnect its guests to their natural roots. While camping out, visitors learn vast amounts in our non-electric, wood-fired community. Hundreds of hands-on classes are offered, such as beekeeping, woodworking, primitive skills, and more, covering the gamut of early traditional living. A program for fathers and sons kicks off the summer season, followed by a five-day workshop for adults with renowned naturalist and director Eustace Conway. Turtle Island is a great destination for scouts, school field trips, homeschool, and special interest groups. Please visit our website and then visit our paradise. TurtleIslandPreserve.org or call
0: 828-265-2267. Self-Reliance Illustrated. Teaching our youth and passing on the tribal knowledge. A bi-monthly magazine that you can check out online. They have articles on shelter, water, food, prepping, just general outdoor stuff. What do you think of that one, Dan? Dan? Oh, this thing is awesome. When you look at some of these things in this magazine, you are going to have a ball. So that's Self-Reliance Illustrated. Where can we find it? www.selfrelianceillustrated.com
3: Making the Best of Basics Family Preparedness Handbook by James Talmud Stevens. He's been a part of the preparedness community, sharing information since the beginning. That's why he's known as Dr. Prepper. Making the Best of Basics has been the all-time best-selling volume in the preparedness industry for almost four decades. Updated and revised to provide the most relevant information available. You can choose the new CD-ROM version that's jam-packed full of special features. Or for instant access to all the information, you can purchase the digital download version and have every how-to, every article, every recipe, and every resource available immediately. No weight and no freight. Visit www.makingthebestofbasics.com today and get your hands on this essential preparedness resource. While you're there, take the free Family Preparedness Self-Assessment Test. Be sure to stop by makingthebestofbasics.com for the CD-ROM, digital download, or print book, or all three. Making the Best of Basics. If you're going to buy just one resource to help you maximize your preparedness, This is The One, making the best of basics.
2: Remember GetReadyPortland.com and now it's back to the Portland Preparedness Center's Wise Prepper Show with Michael Knight and Joshua Patterson taking your calls and questions live on 503-417-9595. That's 503-417-9595. And welcome back to the Wise Prepper
1: Show. My name is Joshua Patterson. I'm here with Michael Knight, and we're talking about your food storage. Taking your phone calls at 503-417-9595. And let's start with the community calendar. And our community calendar tonight is brought to you by the Portland Preparedness Center located at the corner of 72nd at Gleason in northeast Portland. It can be brought to you by your business. Give us a call at 503-417-9595. Uh, Coming up this week, Wednesday, April 3rd, Hillsborough will start their spring community emergency response team training. Thank you for everyone over there in Hillsborough who signed up for that. It's really important for your community that you help everyone be prepared. Thursday, April 4th, the Portland Police and Portland Public Schools will be holding a safety forum starting at 7 p.m. at the Multnomah Arts Center. And uh, you can reach out to our website at getreadyportland.com. For uh, more details on that, just click on the community calendar, and uh, it'll take you right to all of this information. Saturday, April 6th, is a busy day. You can start off by learning how to make basic survival tools. Rewild Portland is holding a primitive skills class from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and uh, for more information, hit up our website. Also at 9 a.m. on Saturday, April 6th, in Mount Tabor Park, John Callis for the third time, my favorite uh, wild food author will be having an introduction to wild foods class. There's a $20 to $30 fee for this class, so anyone genuinely serious about wild foods will get a benefit from this. And uh, I was just up at Mount Tabor to park, park today. It was beautiful, and uh, it's a great place for it. If your organization has a disaster preparedness or survival skill event coming up, please email us at news at and I would love to make it part of our community calendar. And uh, that's our community calendar for this week. And uh, we're going to uh, go with uh, our first call. We've got waiting on hold here. We've got Justin. Welcome, Justin. Hey, guys.
2: Hi there. Welcome to the show.
0: Great show. What Thank can we you. do for you? I just want to uh, mention something I, I think everybody should, uh, should look into is uh, chickens.
1: Chickens are great. I love chickens. Unfortunately, Egg. I rent and can't have chickens, so <laughs> there's that issue. But I don't disagree with you at all. I think if if you can raise your own meat and you have the stomach to eat your own eggs or kill your own chickens, that's a good way to go because it should come before the neighbor's dog, unless you've got my neighbor's <laughs> dog.
0: Well, you know, we live in the city of Vancouver, and uh, anywhere uh, what is it south of uh, Fourth Plain Road, you can have chickens as long as you don't have a rooster. Any, anywhere north of South Plain Road, you can have a rooster and chickens, but we have uh, six hens, which equals six eggs a day. We've chosen the breeds, which supply the biggest eggs, and I have a family of five, and worst comes to worst, we have our chickens we are going to have eggs. It's a great source of protein. And uh,
2: what, what breeds uh, do you recommend? What breeds do you have?
0: You know, we have a barred rock, uh the golden sex link. I think our golden sex link is the one that uh, lays double yolk eggs <laughs> which is kind of fluke, but uh I'm not complaining. We have uh a couple that are, are for our kids that they raised from babies, which would be a silky and a uh uh what they call it, a frizzle. A big goofy looking thing. It actually kinda of looks like our uh Karen Terrier. Mm-hmm
1: people love farm fresh eggs my wife's buying club is going through nearly 60 dozen a week it's just incredible and well, you know, you, know
0: don't, you, don't, you don't need a farm is the thing no. we have a five a five by ten dog kennel and uh uh a, a rabbit hutch we got for free off craigslist and we converted it all my kid keeps it clean once a week we change out the cedar chips we buy the food The food to feed the chickens for three months cost me
1: $15. Nice. And chickens can teach some really important responsibility skills to our young ones, too, that I think, you know, learning how to take care of the animal and then learning the cycle, you know, is so important. And not only chickens, but, you know, if you're really into sourcing and providing your own food, you can go with rabbits. Um, Here in Portland, you can even have a goat. You know,
0: we've really been looking for a rabbit that lays eggs. And <laughs> well, when I hear you to,
2: I can only come to the right place. I have an Easter bunny in the corner of the studio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, well we have a we have a five by ten dog kennel and we have six chickens and we've strategically paid, placed it in our yard underneath our apple tree. So not only do we get the eggs, but the chickens also fertilize the soil so we don't have to use the plant spikes or anything to fertilize our tree. And uh, when When the apples fall, the ones that we don't collect, the chickens love them, and it's like a free source of food.
2: There are plenty of places online where you can learn how to make what they call a chicken tractor, which you can actually haul around the uh, the lawn, and the chickens get to mow your lawn for you, which I think is a wonderful idea.
1: And we've got some great books on uh, livestock that you can do right in your own yard. We're coming up on the break. Justin, I thank you for your call. Give us a call. At 503-417-9595, how can we help your local food movement get into your pantry for your long-term preparedness needs? Get into your pantry? It's local food. It's got to go in my pantry because we don't eat stuff out of a box at my house. This is the Wise Prepper Show. 503-417-9595. Take care. This has been The Wise Prepper Show.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's edition of The Wise Prepper Show. Joshua and I are available to help you get prepared Monday through Saturday at the Portland Preparedness Center on the corner of 72nd and Gleason or online at GetReadyPortland.com. You can interact with us on Facebook and be sure to tune in for next week's edition of The Wise Prepper Show.
0: You've been listening to The Preparedness Radio Network. Offering helpful and timely tips on preparing for natural and man-made disasters. Timely and useful tips on gardening and homesteading. Check us out online at BePreparedRadio.com. Until next time, remember, preparedness saves lives.
3: This is the Preparedness Radio Network.